0: Well, we are in part two of our series titled Starting Over. And for many of us, we carry the burden of regret. We carry that into our marriages and into our workplaces and into our schools and on the sports field. We carry regrets with us. There's a movie that came out titled We're the Millers, not a blockbuster movie, but there's this one boy that came... And wanted to date the 17-year-old daughter. And he came to meet mom and dad and the family. And well, here's him showing off his awesome tattoo. Imagine dads, this is a guy that wants to date your 17-year-old daughter. And read his tattoo. I'll give you a minute if you don't get it. Right? Nothing spells regret like a misspelled permanent ink tattoo across your chest. In fact, that probably isn't the only tattoo regrets. This is a, a teenager, a Danish teenager, had a bet with his buddies at McDonald's. He lost the bet, and so this is what he had to do losing the bet. He tattooed his McDonald's receipt on his arm. Now tattoos aside... Permanent regrets. You and I carry regrets. So turn to someone around you and say, you're not alone. (laughs) We are in this together. We have regrets. And for some of us, they're big regrets. Some of us, they're little regrets. Some of us, our regret is so fresh as this morning. For others, it's ancient in years and years ago, but you still carry this heavy regret regret in your life. If you weren't here last week, I'm going to summarize what we learned last week together as part one. But there's two, I'm sorry, there's three types of regrets that we carry in life. Regret number one is regrets of what, church? Action. These are the regrets where you hit yourself on the forehead and say, man, why did I do that? How many of us are really good at that? No, don't raise your, hand. you're good. Some of you are raising your neighbor's hand, like get your hand up. Right? <laughs> Clinical psychologist said this is the biggest category of our regrets is right here. Fits of rage and anger, addictions we fed, just the dumb decisions that we made and we look back and we say, man, why did I do that? I shouldn't have done that. Regrets of action. Another type of regret that you and I face is regrets of what? Inaction. Clinical psychologist says later in life, these are the regrets that weigh heavy on you as you get older. You look back and realize you wasted time. You had missed opportunities, whether fear or whatever got the best of you, you just sit there and say, I wish I would have done that, but it's too late. And then our third category is regrets of reaction. This is things that happen to us because you and I live in a broken world where sin is prevalent. And things that happen to us, that car accident that was not your fault, that disease that was not your fault, that sin and brokenness that someone did to you, but it was not your fault. When I was a teenager, I suffered more along these lines of regrets of reaction. I was 16 when I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, and every eight weeks, I travel to Grand Rapids and have a medication pumped into my hand for an hour. Every eight weeks, I go up there. It's $6,000 medication. It's known as chemotherapy. I get that in my hand every eight weeks. For many of you, you had no idea. But I go through that, and I remember being 16, saying, why, God? I didn't do anything. I'm 16. I'm young. Now I can't play football anymore for a couple of years because I don't know what's going on with my body. I had regrets of reaction. And I'm praying every day, God, would you heal me of this? Heal me of this. But we carry regrets. And for many of us, we sit there and we chew on our regrets, Like a cow chewing on its chud, we just chew over and over and over. And they say we get into what's known as the sorry cycle. We have a regret for something that we either regret of action or inaction or reaction. We regret it. We desired it to get better. We long for something better. And when we don't, and we can't get out of that regret, we go back into the regret. And we just are in this sorry cycle that we feel stuck but you and I know we don't want to get stuck here. We want to escape that and live life to the fullest. And our idea last week was this idea. With Jesus, your regrets aren't finish lines, but what, friends? The good news is, if you have regret and you carried it in this morning, you and I can start over. Because of Jesus, you and I can start over over and be released from our regrets, the pain, the headache that they've caused, you and I can walk in freedom because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And that's the good news this morning. But if you're a note taker, you want to grab your notes out, when we realize and we want in our lives to use regret as that starting line, you and I are faced with two, two choices in life. Choice number one, Is hide your regret. Can we read this together, church? Are you ready? Hide your regret. When we realize that we have a regret that is facing us, two options, two choices. Number one, hide your regret. This is where we're really good at because we don't like other people to know what we're hiding, we sweep it under the rug. I don't want to be transparent. I don't want to be open. I don't want anyone to know because I'm supposed to be that good follower of Jesus with no struggles. There is no perfect follower of Jesus. Let me tell you that right now. Or you would be called Jesus. So just everyone, let's go. (gasps) That's you exhaling your perfectionism because I'm one of you. (laughs) We can choose to hide our regret. You ever been to the beach? And you ever play or pool and play with a beach ball and how they float? I think this represents our regrets. The beach ball representing our regret in life. The tub and water representing your, your life, my life. And so often, we are so good as when a regret comes our way, we shove it under the water and hide it from everyone that business opportunity that came your way you remember the last time you failed and you're kind of do i do it again do i not no no i'm gonna hide this regret because i remember last time i tried and i did not and i can't tell anyone i'm a failure so i'm gonna shove it under the water and just hold it there and then on sunday morning when you ask hey how are you doing i'm gonna say oh i'm fine I'm fine, everything's fine, my family's great, my life is great, I have no struggles, I'm fine. When in reality, you've got one hand burying that beach ball, and you know in your heart you are not fine. And this paralyzes us. I can't give my best now because I'm too busy, and it really is hard to hold this beach ball (laughs) under this water. I can't give you my best. I'm too busy holding this down so you don't see this ugly thing because you think everything is perfect in my life. And then we live in denial. And for many of us, we're so good at this, we just multitask and we just stay busy, 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 so we don't have to deal with this beach ball. We don't want this beach ball surfacing again. But can I tell you, when you hide your regrets, you are hiding something that is alive, and alive things that are buried want to come back to the surface. We can choose to hide our regrets. And in a room this size, full of this many people, there's many of us that have maybe one, two, three, four beach balls that we're just shoving down. I don't want anyone to see this. So we're going to, this morning, look at a character by the name of David in the Bible. So if you got your Bible, if you have your phone or tablet, turn with me to 2 Samuel in the Older Testament, chapter 12. We're going to start right at verse 1. 2 Samuel, chapter 12. As you turn there, this is David. This is the king that was known after God's own what? Heart. If you grew up in church at all, you knew that this is the guy that loved God. This is the same guy that was the shepherd boy that went on the battlefield and defeated the giant called what? Goliath. You know this boy. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you've probably heard David and Goliath. You've heard this story before. And David is now king. He's the second king of Israel. King Saul's gone. Now King David is reigning in the nation of Israel. And we looked at this story briefly a couple weeks ago, but we're going di- to dive deeper into it. But part of the story was David was on the roof of the palace at nighttime, and he sees a woman bathing. There she is, naked and bathing, And for David, lust overrules judgment. And he tells his people, go get her because I'm going to sleep with her. And David takes a woman by the name of Bathsheba into his house. He sleeps with her, and she comes back to him and says, David, I'm pregnant. David has one beach ball hidden now. National scandal, but he doesn't want anyone to know. Let me shove this beach ball way down. I have a woman pregnant, oh man. And she's not my wife. In fact, David tries to hide this beach ball even further. He says, I got to come up with a plan. Plan number one let's make it seem like Uriah, the wife of Bathsheba, got her pregnant. He calls for Uriah to come in and go home and sleep with your wife. But instead, Uriah's on the battlefield. He comes and says, I got to stay with my troops. That doesn't work. And David now is pushing the beach ball as far as he can. I have to hide this thing. If that didn't work, fine, plan number two, let's get him killed and I will take Bathsheba as my wife. So then it looks like it's okay. And all of a sudden, Uriah dies and this beach ball is going to start coming to the surface for King David. There's a guy by the name of Nathan, he's the prophet. A prophet in the ancient world is just a name for someone who's the mouthpiece of God. And David and Nathan are going to have a conversation. And Nathan's going to begin with a story. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 begins this way. There were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him as his children but it shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now stop right there. That's weird, right? Like to us, we're like, we don't do that. Like maybe a dog or something, a cat, but a lamb, really, in the house? But in the ancient world, as David's hearing this from Nathan, this is complete, makes sense, because the most precious animals meant everything to you, you brought them into your house, and you even had them. They didn't have many rooms. It was a one room. It was just one room. So if you were cold at night, of course you're going to snuggle a little lamb, right? This makes sense to us. We're like, weird, all right? Story continues from Nathan. He's talking to David. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. Now imagine David, if you hear this story, David's just getting mad and getting more frustrated and irritated. That is unfair what's happening. And here's David's response in verse 5. David says this, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this, what, friends? We got to do that again because you see the exclamation point? It means there's more passion and emotion. All right, so let's, let's do it like David's really mad. Ready? As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this, God. David is irate right now. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And I wonder how long Nathan stood there in the silence before Nathan is going to respond. Nathan just gave the story, and David, he's irate. And here's what Nathan says. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. And my guess is when David and Nathan are in that room together, you probably could have heard a pin drop. And David, as irate, he was in that story. His response to Nathan, because David, Nathan's gonna come and share. God told me everything. God told me you slept with her and had an affair. God told me you're a murderer and had her husband killed purposely. God told me your hands on the beach ball trying to hide this thing, and I'm here to bring you truth. And David's response to Nathan then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I did it. I confess, I tried burying that beach ball. I did not want everyone to know the pain and heartache that I had. I wanted that beach ball hidden in my life. And you and I do too. We don't want people to know what's in there. We don't want people to know what this ball represents. But David's got a choice now. The same choice you and I face with our gr- regrets. Hide your regret, or choice number two, recognize your regret. Turn to someone and say, recognize your regret. Turn to someone else and say, recognize your regret. David recognized his regret. David says, I've sinned against you, God. I did. There's an enemy after your heart, after your mind, after your ears that whispers and says, don't let anyone know what that beach ball is in your life. You messed up. You're a mistake. And there's an enemy that wants you to live this out. And what you have to know is what's buried in your life, this beach ball, is not dead and it will come back to life. We have to deal with the beach balls in our lives because we are so good at hiding them. And if we truly believe that regret is a starting line and not a finish line, we got to deal with these in our lives. So if you're a note-taker, under-recognized regret, I'm going to do three action steps with you really quick. Three action steps in order for us to recognize what the beach ball is in our lives. To deal with it properly as Nathan did with David. Step number one, get honest with whom? Try it again, get honest with who you got to get honest with yourself. And for many, that may be very painful because you don't want to go back and relive those memories. You don't want to go back and remember how you were abused. You don't want to remember how you were neglected as a child. You don't want to remember the bankruptcy or the credit cards you maxed out. You don't want to remember the times where relationships were broken because of fits of rage or the addictions you felt. You don't want to remember those. But it's still there. It's just buried. We got to get honest with ourselves. And listen, What happened in the past is in the past. Start living forward. And so many of us, we're walking forward in life, but our eyes are still on that regret back there, and we're trying to move. We have to get honest with ourselves first. Second is this, get honest with who? One more time, get honest with? We got to get honest with God. We get honest with ourselves and realize, yes, this beach ball did happen in my life. And yes, I have been trying to shove this thing down and down and down, and it wants to come back. But i got to get honest with myself, and i got to get honest with God. As David said, I have sinned against the Lord. we got to come and confess, God, I've done that as well. I need your forgiveness right now in my life. I have to get honest with you. And your heavenly Father knows your heart. He knows your hurts. He knows your pain. He knows that you are suffering, and it hurts so deeply inside. Tell him. That's how relationships work, right? One talks to the other. The other talks back. They Oh, that's how marriage works, too? What? That's how any relationship works we got to get honest with ourselves and honest with God and come and just confess what's happening. And then their last action step is get honest with others. Get honest with who? Others. Listen, David needed Nathan. Because if David went on living, this beach ball stays deep down and God can't use everything he called David to be. We need each other to give us that accountability, to walk through life together and just say, I have messed up. I just need to get honest with someone. I've been honest with myself. I've been honest with God. Now I just need to talk to someone just to make sure I'm headed in the right direction, in the right path. To wrap up, I have pondering this message this past week, and I started to cry during it, right? I never used to be a crier, but then you have kids and you become like a sobbing baby sometimes. (laughs) And I was, I I finished this and uh, I just had this heavy burden. Like, I want us all to just be able to start over because that's the life that God called us to. And I, I ran across this picture and I started to bawl Because one word came to mind. Freedom. It's freedom. We're too busy over here shoving down the beach balls that we don't want other people to see. Yet God is calling us to this life. When Jesus says, I've come to give life and to give life abundantly or life to the full, you and I have to realize this is what God is calling us. Not to sit over here and play with beach balls and get more beach balls and try to push them all down. That's exhausting. But we need to know that God wants you rescued from your burden. Not just for you to stay over here and hide it. God wants you what, church? One more time. God wants you from your burden. Why don't we live this way? I love what Jesus says in Matthew 11. Jesus says, come to me, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. Because some of us this morning, you've been shoving the beach ball far too long. And this is exhausting for you. Jesus went to that cross for you to be rescued. You want to start over? Don't hide. Don't hide this thing. This thing, that what this beach ball represented has happened to you, or you did it, or someone did it to you. It's there. Let it come up. And let's recognize it. And then let's tell it, you have no authority and power over me. Because the God I serve has rescued me from that. This morning we're going to have movement. We're going to celebrate communion together. Three stations, two up front, one in the back. And then we'll have two stations here at the altar for you. And if you need help with communion and you can't make it, just raise your hand. We'll have an usher come and deliver you the elements. At Radiant Life, you don't have to be a member, but a follower of Jesus to partake in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. The cross that he went, hung there with all your burden and all your regrets on him. But before we take communion, I'm going to ask you to do something. We have these pallets here on, by every single communion station, even in the back. This morning, we want this to be a Nathan moment for you. For you to be able to recognize your regret. No longer hiding it. So these pallets are here for you to come and write your regret. Now, I know there's some of us that say, I'm not writing that one regret. I still don't want other people. I'm not there yet. And that's fine. You can come up, sign your name. You can see what first service has done. Some of them have said anything from abortion to their addiction to drugs to their gambling problem. Or just writing your name or a, a little X or something that you're just having this Nathan moment with God on these pallets. That's what we're doing this morning. It's an opportunity for you to recognize it. To get honest with yourself, to get honest with God, and maybe perhaps there's someone here that you just need to get honest with as well. And then once you do that, you can come and take communion. Pallets first, because I want you to go, after you write it and recognize your regret, to go take communion, whether you stand here and take it, or you go back to your seat. But when you have that bread and when you have that juice to be reminded that you walk in victory that you are rescued from that regret you put on the wall so I want to pray for all of us this morning the team's going to play behind us as we move and write, there's markers all over these pallets for you as we celebrate communion together but I truly believe the good news of Jesus is you and I can start over and that one of the reasons that God desires, or one thing God desires so deeply in us, is that we're rescued from our regrets. But we got to recognize them and no longer hide them. Let me pray and then we can move and do this. Heavenly Father, for some of us who are already so nervous to come to these pallets and write that thing that's that beach ball in our life that we've been hiding. We're scared right now. I pray you give those people just a spirit of peace. I pray that you would give those people a spirit of courage to come and just get real with you. I pray for every single one of us that when we partake of this communion together, as we take that bread, we're reminded that your body was broken for us. As we take that juice, we're reminded the blood that was shed. And we're reminded that you still have purpose for us. You have a plan for us. You love us so dearly. And may we walk in that victory. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. When you're ready, Feel free to move. And up front here is in tinction where you would dip dip the bread. But when you're ready, would you please?
1: The psalms were written, many of them, by King David. And uh, Psalm 22 and 23 have really resonated with me lately. Psalm 22 starts with david saying my god my god why have you abandoned me he's in this pit of despair he he goes on to say like i have cried desperately for you day and night but you haven't answered me he goes on to continue to say that his strength is gone he's like a well that's dry but some point at some point he trades his sorrow for joy i love that line in this song Trade your sorrows for joy. And he had confessed to the Lord what he had done. And then he started to praise. He just praised God for who he was and what he'd done. And then we read Psalm 23, and this is what he writes. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He lets me rest in fields of green grass and leads me to quiet pools of fresh water. He gives me new strength. He guides me in the right paths. Even if I go through the deepest darkness, I will not be afraid, Lord, for you are with me. Your shepherd's rod and staff, they protect me, and you prepare a banquet for me where all my enemies can see me, and you welcome me as an honored guest and fill my cup to the brim. I know that your goodness and love will be with me all of my life, and your house will be my home as long as I live. Now, if a man like King David, a man who was said to be a king after God's own heart, a man after God's own heart, if a man like him who went through something like he did with Bathsheba, if a man like him can be made new and given new strength, I think that's a hope to us that we can be made new and given a new strength no matter what it is we wrote on these pallets God is the same God as the God who met David all those years ago isn't that encouraging I pray that we walk out this morning in that truth knowing that no matter what we wrote down we don't have to live into that and that does not define who we are and who God has made us to be and what he's called us to do. I hope you're encouraged by that this morning. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Patricia. I'm the creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. And at this time, we're gonna do our offering. So ushers, you can come forward. Uh, Now, when you walked in this morning, you should have received a piece of paper. And at the bottom is what we call a connection card. If you didn't get a chance to fill that out, if you would fill that out really quickly, Just on one side, just uh, how how can we connect with you? And on the other side, how can we pray for you and your family? And if you would put that in the offering plate when it passes by, that would be awesome. But if you're new here, you just hold on to your connection card, and you can bring it to our cafe, and you can prick up up a free drink on us. (laughs) So I want to pray for the offering, and I want to pray for you. And pray that God meets you, whether you're in that moment of, God, where are you? Or whether you're in that place of, God, you are good, and I see what you've done in my life. Or whether you're in that place of, okay, I just, I just put my regret out there, and I need you to meet me. He is your shepherd, and he will meet you, and he will refill you. Let me pray. Jesus, we come before you this morning truly amazed at the gift you are to us. And we thank you that we can be remade and that we don't have to live into our regrets. We thank you that there's life beyond that. We thank you that you meet us even when we think we're in a place that we can't be met. God, I pray for this offering. I thank you uh, just for the faithful giving of this church and for the hearts who are willing to go over and above to see you meet other people who don't know you. We praise you for the 313 people that have come to know Jesus this year. We pray that you would continue to meet us, that you would continue to use this offering to further your kingdom, and that you get all the power and glory because, God, you are good, and you are moving, and you are making us new. Help us. Help us to be honest with ourselves, with you, and with one another so that we can truly live like you and share your love. We pray all of this in your son's victorious name. Amen.
0: Good stuff. It's one of those songs you get out of breath, singing, and you're like, oh, need a fiver just to recover. Said, hey, we serve a God who is victorious. I don't know if you've ever read the end, right? Sometimes you go ahead and you look at the end of a book, and it kind of spoils the ending. You go through scripture, and you read the end. Guess what? God wins. <laughs> Spoiler alert, right? He is a God of victory, and that can be very real in our lives. We have victory through Jesus. We celebrate that with communion. We celebrate that in this song. Now go forward and walk in victory. Next week, you're not going to want to miss it. We are going to hear a story of starting over from one of our very own Radiant Life family members. So it's going to be great. So go out. Have a good week. Don't forget, tonight, 530, Discover Serving. What is your